Welcome to my nameless podcast that is devoted mostly to geeky things. I'm your host, Tom Wade, and on this podcast, we discuss the geeky things we love, including movies, comics, books, TV shows, and music. Sometimes we even discuss YouTube channels. I hope in every episode to share why I, and often a guest, love some particular media, from a franchise to just even a single favorite book. Welcome to episode 14. This week we begin the epic three-part discussion about J.R.R. Tolkien's Middle Earth series. My guest is John Walter, co-host of the podcast Match Made in Space, in which he and his wife, Allie Goodman, share movies with each other from their childhood, uh, mostly 80s films. And they also host the most reluctant Grey's Anatomy podcast on the internet, A Hard Grey's Night. Over the next three episodes, John and I will discuss our personal journeys with the books, the animated films, and live action films uh, from all the all the books, uh, Hobbit, Lord of the Rings, the Similarian, din, din, din. I never know how to pronounce that one. Um, I know it's probably not as hard as my brain makes it. So without further ado, let us begin. So I want to welcome my guest today is John Walter, and we are going to be discussing the Lord of the Rings, the Hobbit, uh, basically the Tolkien universe uh, of Middle Earth. And part of the reason that I had asked you asked you for to join me and can have this conversation is I wanted to talk about it with somebody who had a greater depth of knowledge, who maybe had a longer history with the books. Cause as, uh, as I had commented briefly uh, before we started recording that I came into it originally, I knew I had seen the animated adaptions and I even watched those again last weekend. Well, two of them, I couldn't find the return of the King from Rankin Bass, uh, yeah. which I, I ordered it, so it's going to arrive in the next couple of days, and I'm probably going to regret ordering it. <laughs> <laughs> you might. Um, but um, the uh, I, I had forgotten them by that because I saw them when I was like eight or nine, you know, tops. I didn't uh, dislike the books, the idea of reading the books. I just never got around to it. And then they announced the movies, and I had friends who had read them, and as as you've noted, they pretty much were deemed unfilmable to begin with. And you do see that in the uh, animated Bakshi uh, one. It, there's, oh, there's just so many things in there where I'm like, this didn't age well at all. <laughs> Bakshi's an interesting case in general. Yes. And yeah, that, that, it, that was, those are something else. Yeah. That movie is a, I haven't seen it in a long time, but I remember going, what? <laughs> yeah. when I, I saw it when I was like 14 or 15, and I was like, right. I do not get this at all. It, I Yeah, and so I didn't go, uh, when they announced that it was Peter Jackson, I'm like, well, that's interesting. I didn't realize that he would be able to pull that off, but it sounded interesting. You know, they announced it as they're doing three big films. I went in saw Fellowship of the Ring, and I was pretty much blown away. I was really impressed with it. And I walked out and I'm like, I guess I better read the books. Because then I was going online and that was kind of the dawn of where everybody was talking about a movie or show, you know? Uh, oh, with yeah. little regard yeah, for spoilers, you know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah there, it, but the uh, thing that... Uh, and so I just thought, well, okay, I'm going to read it. And that's pretty much... I followed the same process for each film. I'd read the book after. And I've been told I cheated myself a bit by that because I would have had, you know, much something much greater going in. But part of me kind of liked that I wasn't sitting there going, they cut out Tom Bombadil. Yeah. <laughs> and, and so I, 
ended up doing the same thing with the Hobbit. I didn't read the Hobbit completely through until the last film. Oh, and that was when I finished. That's a long it, way. So that's a long <laughs> way to go through. And and I really enjoyed the books. And you know, even though coming in so late, I, I a lot of people had kind of like reverence for them that I didn't. You know, so I right, just was kind yeah. of reading them as oh okay. Okay, he's getting a little long-winded here. Okay, boy, you know, this is a little long. Boy is talking really into language. <laughs> yes, which when you learn that he was a philologist, makes sense. His yes. whole life was oh, studying yeah. language. Yeah. And so for me, that was kind of my, that that was how I came into it. And I, I do really appreciate it. Appreciate the, you know, just the whole approach. I'm curious to see what they do with this new show on Amazon. Uh, I am too. I, 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 I have like reserved optimism that it's going to be interesting <laughs> since it's something that isn't quite as fleshed out in the original. Original. You know, the story, like, like from what I gather, it's the second age. And I think it's using the, the Island of yeah. Numenor, which is kind of an Atlantis story. Uh, but okay. Like, that's about all like it, but it's not like that is something that you mainly see. You, you mainly can read it in the, the, the Silmarillion book. One of the last sections, sections, the Alcalabeth. I'm, I'm, okay. I don't pronounce Tolkien as well. I will get those I, things wrong. But, oh yes. But uh, <laughs> I might even but, forget random names if the characters oh, are yeah. big enough, you know, it's like, even, even <laughs> I forget names sometimes. And I'm like, Oh, the one, what is it? You know, the only thing I ever consistently get right is I know that, C's are always hard it's like yeah you know like it's like it's always a hard scene yeah. like you know like so it's like it's not Kel Kel it's not celeborn and or anything it's celeborn but that's about you know <laughs> that's about the only the only that's the only rule i ever consistently remember and i know it's sauron not sauron right <laughs> you know? although i pronounced it sauron for like five or six years See, until i finally and, and read I that think and I, went, oh i go back and forth on you know just i'm it's one of those things where it's like okay i you know I get the character, the, the general gist of the characters. And it is interesting to me to compare like the different versions because I think really the Rankin Bass probably gets the closest to what the hobbits look like. You know, yeah, the, the they're kind of too. earthy. Yeah, they're, they're yeah. earthy people who they're not described in a way that's like cute and pretty, you know? No, they're, they're described as pleasant, yeah, not beautiful. You know, they're, yeah, they're, they're, they're like they're they're not unattractive people, but they're like pudgy, hardworking farmer type. Yeah, they're they're they're, they're know, small. They're not, all their yeah, they're not. They tend to be. It, they're inclined for to be fat, as I believe the description. And you know, yeah. they tend to gain weight because they eat all the time. You know, they're 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 kind of indolent. <laughs> you know, so yeah, they uh, they tend to get fat, and they and they're they're round faced and kind of pleasant looking. They're not they're not like beautiful, you know, supermodels. You know. I will say when I first saw the Jackson movies, I was like, yeah, these guys are a little pretty for Hobbit. Yeah. You know, like, <laughs> I but, mean, you know, but, you know. Like, like Sean Astin uh, was probably the closest to looking like a Hobbit, right. and he's still not ugly. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Hey. And the funny thing is, like, I actually, my, my image of Sam until the movies, and even to this day, it's still my image. Yeah. Of the, I, I was immersed enough in these books that I still have kind of images that aren't always matching right. you know, the Jackson movies. The Jackson movies sometimes take over because like movies always do. Yes. So like my image of Sam, like, he always had like a big nose, like a Carl Malden nose in my brain. Yeah. You know, like it's this big round, like red nose. Not that like, you know, not that he was a drunk, but just like he just right. had that like, I'm a working class, you know, servant, you know, like I always figured Sam was the least attractive of the Hobbits. Exactly. You know, yeah. that he, he was like, he would have looked like just the most you know, you know, Tolkien wrote in broad strokes about characterization in a lot of ways. And I mean, he was a, a, a fairly, like he didn't grow up rich, but he wasn't poor when he grew up. Right. You know, and, you know, he could afford like private education, things like that. And he was an academic who was a fairly conservative in like the small C conservative way. Yeah. You know, he was just an old Edwardian, you know, he grew up in the Edwardian era. Like this is like, there are servants and the servants are, you know, they're lesser people, but Sam's a good man. And, you know, like, right, yeah. You know, so like I always pictured him just looking kind of salt of the earth, you know. 
yeah, he... like a much more working class accent and, you know. <laughs> well, because, you know, there's a reason a lot of the people I know who, uh, you know, who love the books, they're staunch Catholics, you know. Yeah. <laughs> um, oh, yeah. And, and so is Tolkien. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So and, and you really see. And I was probably more familiar with C.S. Lewis, even though I haven't read all of like the Narnia. Right books i i did read the three books years ago of the the space trilogy oh i've never actually read those and and they're interesting i i enjoy them they're interesting but they're they're how shall i say they're jack kirby-esque in their in their take on like what the planet mars must be like yeah there's no no realism to them at all but they're fun yeah, I, I found he's very, like, his fantasy, Lewis and stuff is different than Tolkien. And Tolkien really yeah. likes to have a sense of verisimilitude. Like, yeah. this idea that the world could be real. It's really just a sense, by the way. A lot of people think of Tolkien as having these incredibly detailed, and if they are detailed, yeah. but if you really look back, he would come up with details to justify the story. And he would go back and change his work when he's like, <laughs> oh, wait, I, I have this in now. I got to go back and figure out why I have this. You know, like, you know, like and, anytime he wrote anything, he had to like change his ideas because he was, he was still winging it a lot of the time, but he wanted to keep it consistent. He was very, because he wanted like he, his, the idea of like this world is like, I believe the term he used is a secondary creation because he was very religious. Only God is a true creator in his world. But to, one way to honor God is to imitate his creation by creating your own world that is, you know, subordinate, you know, it is. It is a sin to think of it as greater than God's creation, but, you know, to take pride in your work and to emulate by coming up with a creation of your own in his way, he really thought was a way of glorifying God, you know, so he wanted this consistency in it that like, whereas C.S. Lewis is like, oh, let's just throw in some satyrs and, uh, you know, there's a dwarf, you know, like, like, there's a magic talking lion, that's a Christ allegory. Yeah, 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 exactly. Like basically Santa Claus's character. Now Tolkien had the Father Christmas letters, but that was just to his kids. Yeah, you know, like 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 he did do the same sort of stuff, but that was just I'm writing letters from Santa to my children stuff, which is charming and cute. You yeah, know, not well, of course. Oh, and yeah. also Santa shows up. Yeah. Now he would throw in a couple of dumb, silly things, but like when he did it, like he would throw in like in the the, the end at Brie at the you know the prancing pony, Frodo sings a song that is clearly supposed to be the ancestor of hated little. <laughs> you know the cat in the fiddle he sings right. you know it's it's but like the way he did it was obviously and, and he, obviously it was stuff that i find earlier in his published works he does a lot more than later the later the okay. later you get published works even within the lord of the rings you don't hear that kind of stuff in the return of the king you read that in True. the fellowship because he's like if you start at the hobbit read through to the end of the fellowship of the rings like the style changes dramatically. The Hobbit is a very whimsical, like the narrator's talking to you as a person and he's assuming you as a person is probably fairly young, you know? Yeah, it's clearly- joke about knocking a goblin's head into a hole and inventing golf. (laughs) That's not going to happen in Return of the King. By the the time of Return of the King, he's hit that high-flown language. It's not too far from the Silmarillion language. It's much more, it's very archaic. It's very medieval. He was a medievalist, specifically an Anglo-Saxon- you know, like literature expert and an expert at like West Midlands English as it developed. So he's very, you know, like he could write in a fairly archaic style that's not too far removed from actual medieval stuff. I read enough of that to know. Which is one of the defenses I would say to give to people when they're like, oh, he's a terrible writer. I'm like, he's a different writer than what you want is the problem. He's very good at what he's doing. What he's doing is something that honestly shouldn't have ever become popular <laughs> like it's it's a fluke he was writing for himself in a style that was for himself that that's was... and that was one of the things that stood out to me in the book he's writing he's writing what he wants to read if the rest right, of us exactly. want to read it too that's awesome and i was reading even i feel like just this week i had seen some references to the fact that he actually had attempted because of the fact that you got the hobbit which is clearly a kid aimed at children yeah i mean it's a story but the lord of the rings none of yeah none of the lord of the rings are aimed at little kids it's aimed at a much older audience because he had a different interest 
and it also yeah. surprised him. He was trying to write a Hobbit sequel because like, that's what the publishers wanted. That book that's... sold, and it's like if you read his early drafts, it's much lighter and sillier. It just kept getting bigger, and it got away from him. And Tolkien was a guy who just like I mean, he's a guy who the world gets away from him. Obviously, if you follow his creative path in life, you know he yeah. invented a language in during World War II. And then he's like, well, I got to invent people that speak this language. And then he's like, well, that's going to turn into a, what kind of civilization would develop to get this language. Oh, there are two different languages. Why does one speak one way? And like, it just, like basically his entire life was adding more and more crap to the same thing. It's, I mean, he wrote, a, he wrote a short, he wrote a short story called Leaf by Niggles. that is basically that it's an, like, it's, the, he did, he always said he disliked allegory, but it is almost an allegory for him because it's like a guy who tries to paint this simple thing and it just goes he keeps putting it <laughs> off and it gets bigger and bigger and he can't control it and that's kind of how the legendarium as he called it really grew out of his out of hand like the early like i've read some of the early draft stuff but from those history middle earth things that uh, christopher told yeah. about his son that you know that like like strider aragorn was going to be a hobbit named trotter that's silly <laughs> That is hobbity. That is like the yeah. Hobbit. That's a continuation of the Hobbit. There was an idea of like these adventures kind of going a different, but but the problem is because he made a couple of references to his larger works that he deeply cared about, they kept coming in and he, he couldn't <laughs> let it stop. And it was like, ah, you know, I, I, I can feel that feeling of, I really just wanted to write a short sequel and now it's a trilogy <laughs> and my publisher are going to kill me and the publisher's son loves my work and that is the only reason that i'm even still under consideration <laughs> you know because it really was like this little kid like unwin uh unwin and whatever the company like i can't remember i think rainer run was the child or it might have been the father okay. like the kid like loved the book the hobbit so much that he's like yeah you've got to publish this i love it and he became he was a lifelong fan and kept going we got to keep publishing this stuff and Tolkien's like oh no i'm making something super unpublishable but I can't stop. I'm going to keep doing it. And now has, aside from one thing I, I don't recall seeing a lot of is nobody has, while people have done their takes on it, I'm sure there has never been official like expansion books. Have there uh, like no, by other authors? That was, yeah. Part of it's it was the, I know the estate yeah, his family was had it on lockdown for a long time. Like, there were a lot of people before Jackson who tried to make live-action versions of it. And, I mean, there are a couple of live-action versions floating around in yeah. like, Russia and uh, yeah. one from <laughs> Finland, maybe. Like, where the right I think I even saw... Little... <laughs> yeah. I saw, some, I, I saw this video on YouTube that was like, Gollum through Go Gollum through film, and it was like every appearance, and all of a sudden it hit this point where I'm like, they're like Russian or Finnish, and yeah, <laughs> and but I'm like, okay, think, yeah, yeah. There's some stuff that was done in like the 80s, I think, in like in Scandinavia that was based on like a stage show that they turned into okay. like a, a TV special, and it's like four hours long. And I, <laughs> I watched some of it with subtitles. It was actually, it's actually kind of fun, but it's like I just don't have time to sit and watch like right. four hours of low budget. It, it was fun, though, what I saw, but it's super low budget. It is very much, I mean, it's as close as I get to my one dream thing dream. in an alternate universe, which is, I think I've mentioned it on Twitter before, my alternate universe dream is essentially an I Claudius level budget BBC show from the seventies <laughs> using all those big state British stage actors, your Derek Jacobys, the Patrick Stewart's, you know, all the big people yeah. that, like, you know, in that, but like super low budget with like the crappy cardboard sets. Cause I just would love to see, cause I love I Claudius, but it looks cheap yeah. as hell. <laughs> you know, yeah. it has like the worst prop knives and the sets of cardboard. It's like crowd scenes are like five people in super close up with like, with like Me. fully work to make a crowd. And I kind of would love to see what, how they turned an epic fantasy into like something shot in a soundstage, you know, but by the same token, I want to see that, but also seeing that as something that's like, it's a bit of an ordeal. Yes. You know? it, it can it be hard to watch something like that as much as you might be entertained in some aspects. Right. Yeah. The it's time. like, I wish it existed. Yes. I wish it existed, but I, I would not necessarily want to like go through all of it. And, but yeah, like, and, 
Yeah, like the family kind of kept the licensing. Like like Tolkien basically was like no to like almost every pitch because they wanted to make also they wanted to make the kind of changes that Hollywood's going to make to a film. Yes. Like I don't think I don't think it happens with the Jackson style movies if Tolkien's alive to make them and they actually have the technology. I still don't think they're going to happen because I think he would have found a lot of fault with a lot of the changes that were being made. Even though like I don't find fault with him for a movie, but I know for his work and what he was trying to say, I know he would have probably had issues. And and his son had huge issues with that. And like, that's the only, I mean, the reason we have shows now is because Christopher Tolkien is dead. Yeah. (laughs) not going to, you know, you know, like this is, there's not really anyone to like stop. To to step in front of them. Whoever else is in the family is clearly less, has less of a problem, but it is. They're they're cool with, if the money comes in, they'll, they're probably okay. (laughs) <laughs> the only supplemental work I've ever seen, and it's not official in any way, shape, or form, is, and I can't remember the name of it now, it's going to drive me crazy, but it was something that came from, it was written in Eastern Europe, okay. and it's a alternate telling of the Lord of the Rings from the point of view of hmm. Mordor, but it's essentially in it, like, first of all, there are no supernatural elements, like, at all. Okay. Mordor is it's a technological society and these weird religious fanatic, like, you know, like elves and humans or whatever are trying to crush it because they don't understand it. And so they, 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 it's, it's basically, I mean, it's very much a parody, but also a serious parody. And it's written like a history of the war of the rings and the tragedy of Mordor basically collapsing and it being a dark age because Mordor is basically like a Rome and yeah. they are basically the barbarians coming in and like wrecking this working <laughs> civilization. And it's all propaganda. Like Mordor had beautiful farmlands that was actually very well kept. But the the yeah. but like the, the story, the propaganda written by the victors said that it was this horrible, <laughs> sinful place full of evil that was out of sync with nature. So it's kind of it, it's an interesting <laughs> thing, but definitely not licensed. And absolutely yeah. never have been licensed. Never. No, I I wish I could and, remember the name of it. It's driving me crazy. Uh, you, you can find it online, I know, because I downloaded like a PDF of it once years ago. Okay. Like, it's definitely floating around online. Like, you know, like it was pro- it was published in like the 80s, but like it's long okay. out of print. And, but like, I, I wish I could remember the name of it. Well, and you know, the hard part for me is always, I actually, I like my fantasy to have supernatural elements. I I oh, want yeah, no, dragons I, and I monsters. Exactly, and- <laughs> yeah. Oh, I, agree. I, really, I vastly prefer the actual Lord of the Rings. Yeah. It, but it's an yeah. interesting retelling. It's, it's kind a, of a, exactly. It's more, yeah. of a, it's more of a, oh, that's an interesting thing. Like, how you're taking something and turning it on, on its ear. But it's definitely it's, like nothing I would consider, like, you know, obviously not canon. I wouldn't want to like believe. Yeah. I don't right. want to believe that this is the truth of that world. It's right. Exactly. I yeah, want. I want that. I I want the orcs. I want the you know, goblins and the the oh, you yeah, know yeah. the elves and the hobbits. Yeah, I want the, you want you want that. You I want I want that sort of like and for me specifically. I want that sort of sorrowful sense of the long defeat. Well, even, I've I kind of even watched oh, Thor: Dark World again, and I yeah. like, and that's not a good movie. I know it's not a good movie. My <laughs> yeah. my thing with the Marvel with the MCU stuff is I'm like they've all been at least some varying degree of entertaining for me. There's not one that mm-hmm. I literally hate, you know, it's not yeah. like the, it's not like the DCEU movies where there's a couple in there where I like, this is yeah. just so beyond terrible. What yeah. are you going to do to redeem it? And yet right. I'm still going to watch, I'm still going to watch the Snyder cut. Cause I have HBO max. So why not? <laughs> I, probably, I never watched the original one. And I still might watch the Snyder cut out of some sort of weird, like, like spectator thing like I, yeah. I, I said i wouldn't but like i know i'm like wait i've got hbo max i'm probably end up watching this i'm gonna i'll regret it I, yeah <laughs> but, but you know but i'll probably watch this it's kind of like i there, there's that i i'm somebody who's always curious about like when they announced we're doing extended lord of the ring cuts i'm like cool oh my oh I'm, my dork I, ass I'll, you know I when they came out by the to get back to Tolkien when those came out yes I bought literally because they came out after the regular DVDs. the regular editions I, yeah. so I bought the regular editions and the 
extended editions each time because I couldn't wait to rewatch the movies <laughs> until I got to the extended. And for years, I had the theatrical releases just sitting around, and I never went to them because I'm enough of a nerd that I want to see everything. <laughs> you know, like even even the stuff that probably should be. Yeah. Cut, you know. Oh yeah. Well, you I, know, I, and then the monkey's paw curled when the Hobbit movies happened. Yes, and they did the exact same thing. And you know, the sad part is, is I can't remember who. I think it was somebody we that we both follow on Twitter, or I could be wrong, but somebody was like when they announced the 4K sets of of the movies with the Lord of the Rings, somebody was like, damn it, they're gonna get me again, aren't they? And yeah. and yep, I sometime next week, uh they're supposed to be I'm it's finally supposed to arrive the 4K. Uh, I, I could care less about the Hobbit ones. I've got them in 3D, but I have a 4K TV. I, I well I, I you know I've I'm set up to be able to watch TV everywhere and I've got a 3D TV in the basement, but I've got 4K in the upstairs living room. And <laughs> so I, I, I am psyched. I'm like, okay, you know what? I think President's Day weekend, since I have President's Day off, maybe yeah. watch the, the, the entire trilogy in 4K. Cause even just planning this may, I, if I see somebody on YouTube uh, do a video on the Lord of the Rings, I yeah, instantly I like start going, I think I should watch the films again. It's been a few, it's been at least a year, you know, uh, and like. I do that with, I do that with the books. That's because yeah. I, you know, I came up, like I came up with the books. Um, I, I mean, I started, I read the, I read the, the Hobbit, I can't remember when I read the Hobbit, it was before yeah. then, but I, I know I read the Lord of the Rings when I was 11, because I was in sixth grade, okay. I remember I, I, because I read, oh, I did read The Hobbit in sixth grade, but I read it as a book report because it was in my teacher's classroom, and okay. I was a fast reader, so I finished the book, we, like the class assignment book, where it's like, okay, everyone read the book today, I can't remember, even remember what book it was, I think it was, I think it was Roll of Thunder, which is okay. like a book about, like, the, like the pre the, the segregation south and you know it's like you know based on that you know the, the circle be unbroken yeah. song, roll of thunder hear my cry you know so i but I, I read that and finished it and like long before the rest of the class because i was a very fast reader and she was like like she's like okay you know okay jonathan if you want to finish another book pick one off the shelf and i saw the hobbit and i was like and this is my first exposure to the hobbit was the record book of the rank and Bass. okay right? yes when and i, I think i remember I think just recently you tweeted something where it was like the that. Oh yeah, that's my the, my meme I made, yeah. my parody of the yeah. great meme where I have a picture of me looking deadpan and dead yeah. next to the <laughs> Hobbit movie, but to the Peter Jackson Hobbit, and then a picture of me smiling like an idiot, like next to <laughs> the, the Rankin Bass yeah. Hobbit record book. Yes, <laughs> you know, because that is that was my first exposure, and then I saw the Rankin Bass Hobbit again out of like nine on TV. Yeah, I was like, "Oh, there's a whole lot they cut because the record book is." Oh yeah, long. those record books <laughs> were short. It, it fits on a forty-five, on a seven-inch record. It's not, <laughs> you know, you know, it's not a, you know, but the, so like, so I saw the Hobbit. I'm like, "Oh wow, I've never actually read this, and it's a pretty big book. That's cool." And it was yeah. the edition that had the the Hildebrandt brothers painting of the eagle. Okay, like, on the cover, like. Like like they were in the eagle's nest and you know with the dwarves and, and Bilbo's there and he Bilbo looks super seventies because it was the Hildebrand <laughs> painting from like the seventies, you know like whatever model they use was obviously a seventies guy. Yeah, he had sideburns. <laughs> he was like, you know, he had like this look like oh my gosh, you know. And I, so I read that in class and I was like, you know, when I finished it, you know, I was like, you know, I wrote a book report on it because we had a book report assigned. So I was like, well, I'll just do a book report on this thing I'm reading. And then she's like, you know, he wrote other books. <laughs> oh, did he? <laughs> you don't she, say. Like, oh, yeah, our, our library has it. And our library has it, you know. And like, so I'm like, <gasps> and so I, I went and immediately checked out Fellowship of the Ring, read that for a book report, the next book report in that same class. Then I read the two towers just for myself because I was like, I got to yeah. keep going. And then this was the worst. I finished the two towers. And you, if you remember how the two towers end, it's, Frodo has been bitten by Shelob, the spider. Yes. Shelob, I guess, is her name because she's a lady spider and a lob. Yeah. Ancient <laughs> word for spider. Um, 
And then Sam goes like Sam like like they take Frodo's body away, and then he overhears he thinks Frodo's dead, and then he overhears the orcs say what we know about spiders. If you know anything about them, is they don't kill their ah. prey; they just stun them to to to, to eat to, them later, so they can right like melt their insides, whatever. And Sam's like, "Oh shit, I left him in there with more. I hope, I hope this is yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, no, I pretty much my I, I'm trying to keep it fairly up." and not do too much language but you know i've been, I've been trying even... so not to because my on my on my podcast with my wife i swear all the time because that's <laughs> how i talk and i was trying so hard to behave <laughs> but so like it is a sam slamming into the gate of kiris ungal where they've shut it and he's like and it's like photo was alive you know the enemy had it and... and the enemy had yeah like he had the ring and but like so sam is laying there dazed on the ground in the dark <laughs> And like Frodo's behind a locked door, and I'm like, okay, that's where it ended. I go to check out Return of the King. It's right there in the library. I go and I take it up to the desk, and they say, oh, I'm sorry, it's the school ends in three weeks, so we we aren't doing any more checkouts this year. Oh, <laughs> I it was sixth grade. I spent all sorry and by the way this is one of those things where my brain didn't occur to me that i could just go to an actual library Ash. or a bookstore <laughs> like my brain it didn't occur to me like much like it didn't occur to me you could own star wars movies until i was like 18 and i went wait i have to wait for abc to air yeah. on saturday night you know <laughs> like like i can just buy these i don't i'm not at the whim of like programmers i can so, buy these and watch them whenever i want <laughs> like it just never occurred to me like star wars, star wars and lord of the rings are two things that like my brain set them aside as they're magical yeah. special things that you're not allowed to just have in your house <laughs> so it didn't occur to me till like years later i could buy my own copy of either so yeah. i i wait all summer and it was i read return of the king in like god like a day and a half over a weekend <laughs> like, i didn't sleep i finished it at three in the morning I remember that, like I was like, like it was like the first week of school, the first time I got to go to the library, I basically sprinted. I knew where it was, I knew where it was at, grabbed it, went up to the front. I'm like, gotta finish this. I was so excited. Well, like at three in the morning, I, it, I, I like I, I finished it and I, I didn't read the appendixes, appendices. I didn't right. Read it the second time I read it. I was like, oh, that was kind of boring. And it is kind of boring until you get, it's, but, but the hooks were in me. The hooks but, were in me. Yeah, and they, do give you they do give you some stuff to appreciate in the you know yeah. oh no i now, definitely they're worth reading but i was 11 i was like the story like, yeah i didn't get why the story like like the common complaint of god this is like when they watch return of the king i'm like this movie doesn't end they destroyed the ring and it keeps going and like yeah. the book does that too much longer in fact yes you know i didn't i didn't get it as a kid because i was used to the the, the adventure stories and the fantasy stories i read were often inspired by Tolkien, but to, yeah, you know, but they were missing they, a lot of why why he was telling the story he was telling. So I, didn't yeah, get, I'm like, I think the rings destroyed. Everyone has a party. Yay, we've won. Yeah. I didn't notice until the second time I read it how sad the books are. I oh didn't yeah, notice that the whole point and, is you could do everything possible to save what is good and proper. And what is good and proper will still go away because that's the way of the world, especially if you have this intensely Catholic worldview. Yes. That, you know, we have come from fallen grace and, you know, you can't, you know, you can't, the, the material world is never going to save you, you know. And but, it's, so it, it was, it was meant deeply. It, and it was one of those things where I know he was trying to create kind of like a myth for his own home, mm -hmm. you know, yeah. like everybody else has their you know, historical myths and right, that yeah. was part of this. And so it has to ultimately end rather sadly because all of those things have to pass away before it right. becomes the have, modern world. Right. You we know? don't have elves. We don't have dwarves. We don't, we don't have dragons. We don't have giant yeah. eagles, you know, in the world. Yeah. That is not a thing. So yeah, it does. Eventually everything has to fade and diminish and go away to a, a special and, place that as people we're not allowed to go to go to because like and it is an, a, a, in a way that's a coming of age you're an adult once you become an adult you have to put away these things in certain ways but you can't but you can always still like you can still look at those beautiful things and wish you could still be part of it and i think that's yeah one of his big messages you know like it is like life in a lot of ways is a long defeat and 
as I've said before, I still, and I'm not the first to say this, this is not me coming up with a brilliant theory. <laughs> I've said this, but like in a very real sense, Lord of the Rings may be the great forgotten World War One novel. It is, it's really like, again, Tolkien hated allegory, or as he said, yeah. he totally disliked it in all forms. <laughs> uh, I believe that's how he put it in the introduction, uh, you know, to the, to the paperback edition, you know, because people always say, like, what's this an allegory for? And he's like, no, 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 it's just applicable. It's not an allegory. Yeah. But I do think in a lot of ways, it's not an allegory necessarily for World War One, but it is written by someone who fought in the trenches of World War One. someone who, if I recall correctly, was possibly maybe the only survivor from his class. Okay. And if not the only survivor, maybe one of only a few. Like almost everyone he grew up with and came of age with in school died in the trenches in like 1914 and 1915. He, like, he saw so much death, like, and there's so many, so much imagery, like it's talked about. I'm not the only one to yeah. say it, but like the dead marshes, uh, you know, like are clearly that based on his memories of being in the no man's, seeing the no man's land and seeing, you know, the, the bodies in the trenches covered in like muck and mud that you can't get rid of because you'll get shot, you know, like, it's like, it's deeply scarring. Like there, there is so much war PTSD in those books that you don't see if you just read it as a kid for fantasy, but as you learn about it, you're like, oh my God, like well, he went through he, a hell that most people can't fathom. And he and really, he, oh, I'm sorry. Oh, go ahead. I, I, I was sad of Peter. Now. He really, as uh, unlike, uh, you know, like the Narnia books, it's mar much more about the archetypes. He's more interested in the relationships between these characters and mm -hmm. these are intense i mean these you have i you know like i don't know if you're familiar how if you're real familiar at all with uh maggie may fish um not particularly I'm, I'm she, she i'm did aware a, yeah she did a video the just a, like a week ago on the queer what what the queer aspects of the lord mm -hmm. of the rings and how even it's in the text you have these you know in people smeagol describes i can't remember the characters the other you know the guy he's fishing with but he it's deagle it's literally his name with a different letter it's deagle oh okay Smeagol and, and you know and he refers to him as my love and right. And you see that really all these relationships are super intense. Now, I don't think that the the point was queerness. I think that in the case of Tolkien, what he was clearly focused on was the intensity of these relationships between men. And yeah. those men, that's just not common in modern filmmaking. And especially, I mean, he he didn't write a care none of his characters are like john wayne types they're they're quite yeah, the no. opposite and yet no. i do think the i think the beauty of the way he wrote it a queer reader can see themselves as somebody who's yes. they can see themselves in those relationships because they right. are and I, intimate yeah. and intense yes. and i i i love that about it even though i yes. certainly it was not intentional there was no oh, right. intentional he was a very stuffy very conservative you know, very, you know, like old fashioned, you know, like, man, it wasn't, it wasn't about actual intentional queerness, but like perfect death of the author. This is a perfect exactly. example of death of the author. You yes. Can, you can read that in and there's nothing wrong with that. And I think it's great that people can it, see that and see themselves in the work. It doesn't yeah, interfere with. Limited by his own. Yeah. He himself was limited by his own worldview. I don't think he would have been too accepting of no. that reading at all. <laughs> You know, I know he had his own issues, like most people of the early 20th century. I'm pretty sure he was fairly racist. The way yeah. he writes about other, the other in it is almost always with racial stereotypes, which I'm not, it's, it's one of those things where you have to go in, if, you, if you're a Tolkien fan and not super right wing about it, you kind of and, have to look at it and say, look, this guy was flawed, but the work is still yeah. strong. You just have to be aware of where his mistakes were and where his biases were. I mean, that's, that's what you do with problematic literature. Yes. If you want to still enjoy it, you have to you have to own up that, yes, this is a bad thing to hear. This is a bad way of describing, you know. And, you know, you know like kind of. It definitely was the culture of his time to have the idea that, you know, the heroes were, the heroes are mostly yeah. white because in it in his, 
it, oh, in yeah, that time, everybody, yeah, it's the, even though, yes, now there have been discoveries that, you know, they did have black people in medieval Europe. Right. Yeah. Even, even people who were like princely and, you know, yeah. of oh, affluence. Yeah, we know and those the now. Victorian but, era killed but yeah. that idea for a lot of people. And he grew up in, he, he was born at the tail end of the Victorian era, became like, came into like adulthood in the Edwardian era. Like no one was saying that then. No one thought yeah. that then. And, and another thing is it's always very dangerous because he was an expert in medieval literature to think of the Lord of the Rings as medieval. It has medieval imagery. Right. He's writing, like one of my favorite bits of meta information about the lord of the rings is that it's always presented and that's true of all of his work because the silmarillion is supposedly came from the same red book of Westmarch that the <laughs> hobbit and the lord of the rings came from okay and basically bilbo wrote the hobbit about himself that's right frodo wrote the lord of the rings and frodo translated the the information from the silmarillion and all of that was written in a non-existent language that really does, barely has any words that we know of. And you learn that if you read the appendices called the Westron, the common speech, which is not the same as English. So what you're <laughs> reading in Tolkien is people always think about him as an archaic person, but he actually did something weirdly super modern in that he wrote ah. a fake mythology that is a fake translation <laughs> of a fake book that does not exist. Like, but that's the premise of it. And in his notes, in the appendices, he even talks about I had, you know, like deciding how to translate Samwise correctly so that you get the idea of half wise. Yeah. Samwise. <laughs> because his real name, I think, was Banris or something like that. And it's, okay. like, it's like one of those, like, or Banazir or something. Yeah, you know, like, it's, I can't remember the names because, again, these are like, this is deep cut stuff. But, like, I love the weird conceit that you are hearing a translation, which is why. I can kind of wrap my head around the, the changes in the Jackson movies because in my meta world, Jackson is retelling the same story as story. Tolkien, but he's not telling Tolkien's story exactly. It's like, okay. It's like, that's how I kind of reconcile the things that don't work. It's, oh, he's taking the source material. Exactly. It's like anything. It's like, it's like, again, as anyone who follows me on Twitter knows, I also love the Arthurian legends and you, you have to go yeah. with what he eats. They're, they're huge, broad swaths of, these things happen in every Arthur story, but it depends on what the particular author focuses on, whether a character is important or not, whether like Dwayne can be a big dumb bully or he can be the most noble knight possible. You know, like it depends on where you're at in the, who wrote it for why, what audience. And that, I feel like you can look, you can always look at Tolkien and when you have a problem with something, you can always say, oh, that's Tolkien's problem. But the real legendarium, that's just Tolkien's way of telling it. <laughs> you know, well, you can it, always kind of wrap it and go, you know, and we're in there. It, it, it was that, really like thousands of years ago, see, not just a thousand years ago. Yeah, it's, and, and one of the things that I, like when you talk about the idea that it's translate, you know, that it's a, tra that Jackson's yeah. versions are just another translation of that text. It works in the book to like in the two towers it works to split the two storylines in right. in their own section and you spend uh it is the uh is is the second half of the book is that sam and frodo or are they the first yes. half yeah okay yeah so yeah, which, you basically they leave at the end of fellowship and then the first then, half of uh two towers which i'm actually currently listening to an audiobook of again for like okay time like I've never actually heard an audiobook version of it. Yeah, that's so right. Because you do right they do all the Rohan and Tree. Yeah, like, like and... in my current re-listening, they are just now coming to Saruman, which my favorite one of my favorite parts of the book, and the movie does not do it justice, even the extended edition where they add it. Yeah. So first of all, it kills Saruman there, which is BS. <laughs> like <laughs> then you can't do the scouring of the Shire, yeah. blah blah blah. But like but that scene where you see Gandalf defeat Saruman at his own game of words, you know, is yeah. one of my favorite moments. And it's probably, but the thing is, it would be dull as hell in a movie. Oh, <laughs> it would yeah. be so dull. It would be so dull in a movie, but in a book, I love it. I love just, because there's this tension of, oh my God, is Saruman going to really talk his way out of this? Are they really going to just leave him? You know, like well, you, you see Theoden almost, yeah. almost give in and then go, no, no, wait a minute. <laughs> No, you, you killed so many of my people, you know, through you. Like, no, no, yeah. I'm going to, you know, 
And like, like the, one of my favorite moments ever is the Sauron, your staff is broken, which is a throwaway moment in the extended edition. I don't think it's right. that it's been a while. No, I but don't like, think in the movie was. version, it's just, it's so fast. Like, but in the book, you, it's described as like this rumbling crack and it breaks. Yeah. And it's such a great, weird moment of like and, a word of power. Like he just disappears at the uh, in the in the theatrical movies, we yeah. just never see him again. That's you right. know, and, and, and the, yeah, they, they kind of gets killed by Wormtongue at that moment. Exactly. Off, so. Yeah, they basically throw in his scouring of yeah. the Shire moment and put it there, and it, it, it's interesting to me because I do. Yeah, when I was reading, like when I was, the funny thing is, is I totally understand why people wanted to see the scouring of the Shire. Whereas yeah. with like the Tom Bombadil scene or sequence, it's yeah. like a hundred pages. It's a nice, yeah. it's a nice part of the book, but and it's very much it's not it, it it's, it's not meandering. yeah it's not a it, it's not exciting. I, I at no point did I find myself going, oh, if only they had a included this in the movie, right? Oh, no, I, 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 I just Bombadil. was like, I it's, do, but yeah. I love well, it. I, he is the creature of the book. He is yeah. not a creature that would work in movies. It, like it, he's a weird sort of whimsy and magic. Yeah, and I get why he's there. There's a lot of different theories about who he could possibly be. You know, one of which I've heard is, is that he is Eru Iluvatar, which is basically God. Um, yeah. You know, when you get down to it, but that doesn't quite make sense because his power is very limited. Like he's all powerful, but only in one little area. So I don't think he's actually supposed to be that. But what I think he's supposed to be is he's, I think he's supposed to be Tom Bombadil. And I think it's yeah. the idea that there are things in this world that are not part of what we expect and not like sensible, but that doesn't work for movies. People don't like that in movies, especially blockbuster movies that are like fancy stories about like, a, like, like it's like Jackson structure and fellowship, like a chase for that. Happens. Yeah. And it's fast. It moves so fast. Like from it, from the moment they leave the Shire to get to Bree, it's it, they well, get and, rid of stuff. They and, get, and they leave the Shire like in the book. It's like fifty years after yeah. the after oh, Bilbo yeah. leaves. Yeah, it's like basically Bilbo takes Bilbo off thirty three. Yeah, it's seventeen. Yeah, years. like Bro Frodo leaves. Yeah, seventeen. Yeah, he's his coming of age. He's thirty three. You know, by the way, I think the Lord of the Rings is the first use of the word tween. Because <laughs> tweens are like the Hobbit teen years, but they're in Okay. <laughs> you know, like, so he calls it his, his reckless tweens. But, um, but yeah, like he's 33 and Bilbo's 111, because they can make a gross 144, which offends all the Hobbits. Like, one of the little fun, little charming <laughs> Like, and I love that stuff yeah. at the beginning, but it is meandering and it's, it's whatever. But yeah, then he waits 17 years until years. he is Bilbo's age in The Hobbit before he leaves. He's 50 before he yeah. actually leaves. And then, you know, and it, it's one of those because, you know, like there's a lot of time and like a lot of the stuff that got, that was like put into the explanation, like in the Riddles in the Dark, not, not Riddles in the Dark, that's from The Hobbit, and that's the Gollum chapter, but <laughs> Shadow of the Past, the second chapter, which is Gandalf kind of setting the exposition stage up. Yeah. That, you get really rocked through and i love that in the book and it actually is tense in the book but in a book way of tension right like you keep hearing like the the, the moment of like every new revelation ends with a little like sound of tom not tom of sam clipping sam, the, yeah. <laughs> like, like, like the sound of his hedge clippers and the sound of his hedge clippers yeah and then they and then they they're not there anymore and at first, if you're reading that, if you don't know the story, you think it's gotten so late that he's done <laughs> and moved on, you know, and, but it's like, but like the, that little, like the tension keeps getting broken up by this clipping noise in the background, but it also is ramping because it's like he stops that to say, and you're like imagining sitting in silence and hearing ch -ch 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 while you're trying, while, while you're soaking in all this and it works really well in the book. It would be so, so damn boring in a movie. It would be the dullest thing. And yeah. I always say, I don't mind that Tom got cut but I'm so sad they cut the barrel white sequence. Because okay, yeah. that would have been so cool to see. That is a very visual and weird visual scene. It is it is one of those things that makes me remember, oh, this guy is really steeped in medieval Steep. stories. It's very, 
it has a feel of a weird medieval story. They wake up like basically they're not in their right clothes. They're dressed in they're... all white and they're laying on a bed and a single naked sword blade is laid across all of their <laughs> necks. That is such a thing you see in like an Arthur legend, even though Tolkien yeah. is terrible. <laughs> but um but it's such a it's that kind of imagery or like a weird old welsh fairy tale or 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 even an icelandic saga those tend to have a little less magic but they do have some and tolkien loves those like and it but it, it has that element of oh here's a weird supernatural moment out of nowhere but unfortunately without tom to rescue them that scene has to get cut too so yeah that, that's where i was and they and they also cut the old forest <laughs> With the with old man the, Willow because Tom has to rescue. Tom is right, <laughs> so, it's like, and, so it's like and all then, this stuff is great, the ex- but you need Tom. And, if you and have wasn't Tom, it you uh, Tom. in the extended cut? They kind of used some of the Willow they, stuff. Yeah, they, they put it in. They put it in Fang form. And, later yeah, in the, with and, Freebeard. And I do totally. The thing is, is I totally movie wise, I think that Jackson. I get why they did because it does you've just spent the first like you know half hour of the movie establish or maybe 45 minutes um totally establishing how this thing is a temptation for even Gandalf and and right. everybody you know and and then all of a sudden they meet this guy who's just like oh cute cute ring you know yeah <laughs> It's a great moment. But the moment, actually, the moment that's like it still kind of get, gets my hairs like yeah. stand up is when Frodo decides to like, and he does it to play a prank because the movie set it up a little harder about the temptation. Like yeah, like he he flips the ring on and tries to sneak away, and it's this moment where Tom just looks at him the whole time like, "Where are you going?" You know, yeah. like, and like he's so <laughs> offhand about it. Yes, because the ring, the reason the ring means nothing to Tom is because it just means nothing to Tom. Yeah, he doesn't care, and therefore it has no dominion. And since it has no dominion, it has no power at all. You know, which is it's such a like and like I I love a character like that. And they and and Tolkien even writes out the Deus Ex Machina of it of saying, listen, you can't just leave it with him because he won't care enough to protect him either. To protect him, it's, it's, <laughs> he, he, it means nothing to him, so he's going to forget about it. You know, and it's not could stop just, by and grab it. Like, Right, exactly. Like sooner or later, like as, as powerful and as powerful as Tom is within his domain, if all of the forces of Mordor raid are going to be attacking it, sooner or later he's not like even he's not going to probably be able to withstand that. As they said, I think he'll be the la- he was the first of us and he'll be the last of us. But that's what's going to happen. <laughs> well, you know, and it. Yeah, but that. Yeah, like, but you can't even do that joke scene in the movie because it, it's set up immediately with Jackson that when you put the ring on, you're entering the Wraith world, which you find out in the books, but you don't find that yeah. out, out in the books until later. Yeah, you know, like that wasn't uses it clear a few at times. the beginning. Yeah, and, because, and, and that makes sense because Bilbo used the ring all the time in The Hobbit with no freaky repercussions. Yeah, he was constantly journey. Right. It's there only was as no the Dark Lord's power, as, it's only as Sauron's power increases that it becomes an issue. And I kind of wish they'd done that in the movie. Yeah. Like where he, it's, like he gets away with it at first and then, but then like, as it goes on, cause it's like, I think it's, I want to say the first time he, like the first time he really uses it and sees Sauron and it's like, oh crap, I can be seen too. Was I believe yeah. on the watch hill at Amon Hin in the books, which is basically the end of the, of the, of the movie. Right. You know, when, yeah. when, when Frodo goes up and like, like when Frodo puts it on in the end and disappears, like that's, that's basically when he's like the first time he sees that, you know, and before that he puts it on a couple of times and he's told not to do it. And he only does it in emergencies, but like it's but, that idea. And then as it goes on every single, every single time anyone like uses it after that, it gets, it becomes so much more perilous and it works well with a lot of those metaphors of the ring. It's like the temptation gets worse and the risk gets higher. You know, you can use this if you want, you can use it as an addiction metaphor you know, like again, another one that I don't think was intentional, but I think it really works it, in the text. Yes, like it works as like you—it's something you hate but love, and you can't get rid of, and you can't like you like like no like the strongest person on earth will eventually cave into it. You know, like like Gollum very much feels like a recovering addict in almost yeah. everything, and that he gets healthier physically, but he like because his he can't let go of his temptation. It's it's ultimately his downfall. Right, know? exactly. And, and it's it's very 
but of course we're talking we're talking i mean we're talking religious and, catholic we're talking about the yeah dark and i evil. do i do actually love that's one thing i actually truly love too is the fact that ultimately the ring isn't destroyed because frodo's so strong it's destroyed yeah. because Gollum and frodo are both too selfish and want the yeah. ring and yes and that's and, and, and when I was younger, I didn't get that. Yeah. Old, only with age that I got that Frodo failed. And that's why he's so yep. sad. Not only did he fail, he lost this thing that though he hated, he also loved because Love. he was also falling under the spell of the ring. And it's gone forever and he can't do anything about it. Can't. You know, and he, you know, so it's like there, there is something like, like the idea because our minds are so fit to the idea of like these fantasy stories with this cool happy ending where the hero saves the day that if you and if you just look at the plot he does save the day yeah everything falls like you know like whether it's in the movie where they literally show everything sure, collapsing into, collapse the, into the, the earth, yeah. <laughs> or the more the more book-like thing where it's like the queen it's like the queen ant died and so it's like an anthill without any leadership Every and so it, like it's gradually falling apart and everyone's going mad and unable to like all the none of the orcs know what to do and do like, they, you know they everything scatters and yeah. right so it's like yes there's mop-up work but it's like that's the moment whenever the, the great oh. evil is broken but the, the the lesson that is missed by just that pure plot that's only put in by the ending that as much as people hate it like like at first and or unless you're like me and a total dork and like yeah. never wants the books in you yeah. know you like it is like that's the ultimate message is everyone succeeded in spite of themselves because again there, the world works in a way that is more mysterious than you can imagine. And yeah. sometimes, you know, like the idea that like God or Eru or whatever powers, the, the Valar you know, or the Tolkien stuff, you know, like they, they work in ways that maybe you don't understand. And maybe like, you know, like Frodo is not a hero per se. He's heroic, yeah. but he's not a victorious champion. He fails, but his fit, like he got close enough. He did just enough to get it to a point where Gollum and he could wrestle and it could be lost. And you know, the, and uh, I just always think back too to that, you know, when they're in the mines of Moria, the, in the films, I love, I mean, it's, I, I think it's hard not to love a lot. You know, those actors all just gelled oh. together so amazingly. So, and so much that, so much like yeah, that, 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 that moment the, that moment of Gandalf and uh Frodo where Frodo's basically kind of admitting I don't really want this responsibility I wish I wish somebody else had it and you know mm -hmm. the answer is basically we all wish that when when great yeah. you know when something big is called yeah. of us and it's yeah, so it's like nobody in these times human yeah. and those those characters yeah, you've got, you know, because I feel like Boromir represents the traditional here, you know, like mm -hmm. you know, princely the prince and type character. And he, he's, he's the guy who's supposed to be the hero. He's been yeah. raised to be a hero his whole life. He's the, you know, and he's the lead, like, he's not technically royalty, but he is, it's is right. hereditary. So he is, there is no king. So he's the closest thing to a prince yeah. they have. He's the firstborn. He's the beloved son. You know, he's everything perfect. And he, and he's so often not fearful. He's awful. Yeah. Right. You know, he. It's an oversimplification to say that he's a bad person. He's a good person, but he's a normal person. Yes. And normal he's heroics don't work ring. That's not what will save you. You know, yeah, ability he's... saves you. And that's where we end things this week. Join John and I next week for the next thrilling installment. Again, thank you so much for listening. Uh, you can find me on Instagram and Twitter under at Tom Wade. And that is at T H O. M W A D E. 
And there on Instagram, you can see artwork and photography of mine. Uh, and then on Twitter, well, you can decide to block me over my political opinions. Uh, I also have a Patreon. And for $2 a month, you can get behind-the-scenes blogs, uh, artwork, and unique pictures of my cats. Uh, and, and, you know, surely you want my cats to be able to eat? I mean, they are adorable. And then for $5 a month, you get all of that, plus four to five times a year, you'll get original uh, geeky artwork created by me. Uh, you can find me on Patreon under Tom Wade. Uh, that's T-H-O-M and then a space and W-A-D-E. I would appreciate your support. And until next time, read or watch a beloved favorite or maybe discover a new favorite. <laughs>